Well, good morning. Today is the final week here in person, like we've mentioned, and it's the final week of our Advent series called Unwrapping Christmas. And so far, we've unwrapped some of the promises of the prophecy that Christmas brings. We've unwrapped some of the mysteries that Christmas brings. We've unwrapped some of the myths as well. And this morning, we will be unwrapping another aspect of Christmas and the Christmas season. It is one that we're all likely familiar with, or at least familiar with the seasonal decoration that is called the nativity. In our world today, there are a lot of variations on the nativity scene. It is likely safe to assume that everybody here has seen a nativity scene. Usually, pastors don't try to make that type of claim from the stage and assume that everybody present here has seen one, but you may or may not have noticed there's one right behind me here. So that's why I am so confident that you have seen one. The many variations of the nativity are different for different reasons, though. Different cultures have added different cultural dress to the nativity, like the one featured behind me here. This one is actually a representation of the indigenous people out of Arizona. And you may especially see how the wise men are dressed in traditional wise men garb. There's another one that I found also that was made by a Dominican artist. And again, traditional dress, but you will maybe notice that the faces are blank. The artist felt that they couldn't represent the Dominican people with all their mixed cultures well enough to depict their faces, a personal decision made by the artist in this nativity. Another one is this next one, which is done by an Egyptian artist, which is the polar opposite of the Dominican artist. They have very expressive faces in this picture. And yet again, there's even another one. This one is from Singapore, and it is traditional Chinese dress that is represented there. There are even different animals used in different parts of the world to represent the animals that we typically understand to be part of the nativity scene. In the Egyptian one, you may have noticed that somewhat bigger animal near the front corner of it. That's actually a water buffalo. And so we, we don't ever hear about that in the Bible, but it is yet included there. And I have a set that I actually really enjoy at my house that I got in Bolivia that it re replaces the sheep with llamas. And so there are different places. Llamas are a pretty fun animal, so that was kind of cool when we got that. There are a different number of characters that you can find in these sets as well. There are ones that have three I found, and there were some as big as 26 different characters represented in a nativity set. Just a wide variety of representation in this concept. They are extremely customizable as well. In some ways, it is amazing the variety of choice that you can actually find. There are some that are animal themed, like this one behind me here that is a black bear themed one. Aww, so cute, right? So good. Obviously, there's also one that is done in the Peanuts characters, right? Charlie Brown Christmas, of course, that's done that way. One of the most customized ones that I found, though, was actually one I stumbled that was Lego Star Wars Nativity. And it was mildly concerning to me that Vader was on top of where we typically put an angel. Uh, so I don't know that that's... They don't even think they even understand the series. Um, and so... There's also what was not pictured here I found on Etsy was actually a baby Yoda, of course, who was 3D printed and a bassinet to put him in that would then be the manger in Jesus. So truly, if you were to look this up yourself when you go home, 
you would be stuck in a rabbit trail all day, like I was one day this week. Um, (laughs) And so this is one of the reasons why it's often difficult for the nativity scene to be anything more than a decoration and why it is often misunderstood. And that's why today we're trying to unwrap the nativity to reveal what the heart of Christmas really is. Because the nativity scene does reveal to us that heart. It does reveal to us what Christmas is all about if we know where to look. And since this is a family service, I thought what better way to help us do that than playing a game. So we're going to invite some people up on stage. Theme is going to come help me gather some people. Don't everybody run up all at once, all right? So it's an interactive game. And of course, with an interactive game, we are going to have prizes, which you will receive at the end of the service. So you must come up and actually play the game first. And then uh, there's nothing embarrassing. There's nothing. You don't need to raise your hand. Once I say you can go, you can go. Tear it, kids. Um, and so <laughs> we need a cup, four adults, roughly, um, or young adults, if you feel like you fall into that category. We need two teens, two kids. So feel free to start running up now. Okay? And so Athena will separate you two into two teams we're going to test your knowledge with a few questions about typical Christmas items, and we'll be seeing if your knowledge matches the surveyed people's answers. And so if you watch some game shows, you might understand which game show we're trying to represent at this point. There's a bunch of kids. Come on, adults, be fun. I feel like Jason wants to come up right there. Jason, yeah, he should come up here. Yep, peer pressure. Let's go. And Mark, perfect. This is so good. Maybe it is embarrassing now. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. And so it'll be a family feud style game. And so hopefully this will not only be fun for everybody here and keep some people engaged, but we'll also be able to see how this will unwrap some of what the nativity is. So how this is going to work is it'll be a family feud style game. If there are family feud purists out there, it's a family feud style game. So it's not going to be exactly like family feud. Don't get upset. I'm telling you beforehand. And so... Here's some of the rules. We are going to ask the question. There are two buzzers. Each team will hit the buzzer, give an answer. If that answer is correct, it's on the board. Woohoo! great job, good for you, point for your team. If it is not on the board, the other team gets the steal. If both people answer incorrectly and it's not on the board, then we move on to the next pair, and we'll do the same buzzer thing and repeat and repeat until we get all answers revealed. There's a few questions. There is a prize for each question category, and then there is, in typical my generation fashion, there is a participation prize. So you are guaranteed a prize um, for coming up here today. So there's, that's the good thing. You guys all understand this too? So far, so good? It's trivia, yeah. See, look, it works, right? This is good. Not this one. This is why we're testing. <laughs> Aha, there we go. We have two buzzers that work. See, we tried to mess with the blue team. I saved all of you. All right. And so we can start the trivia game now. We can throw it up on the screen. They're going to run it. Ooh, it's amazing. Look at that. Round one. Name. So we need two participants to come up. Equally matched. You don't want adults against kids, you know, like, ooh, this is sibling rivalry. This will be fun. So name something you put on a Christmas tree. What did you say? An ornament. An ornament. 
Look at that. You got an answer for your team. All right, now you two move, two new people. It'll be the same question. So what, oh, she knows already, all right. <laughs> no is no 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 not no. What what is your answer? Baubles. Baubles? Baubles? Okay, so like lights. Lights? Oh, okay. Lights. Let's go with lights. Look at that. One one. Here we go. Next two. Same question. Three, two, one. Ooh, green. A star. Star. Look at that. Two for this side, one for this side. Next two. Yeah, let's go, let's go. Same question in three, two, one. Tinsel. Tinsel. I knew that wasn't going to be on there. It's so good. You get to steal. What is your answer? Um, sometimes you put candy canes. Oh, candy canes. Is it on there? Oh, good try. All right. Next two. Let's just keep rolling through this. Go, it's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark doesn't know the answer, that's why. Yeah. All right, three, two, one, go. Um, you can put gifts under the tree. Mm, but let's go with on the tree. Let's go with on the tree. Ornaments, star, lights. What's something that you could wrap around the tree? Yeah, like a ribbon, maybe? Yeah, ribbon. Yeah, ribbon. There's a ribbon up there. Hey, there you go. 3-1. Very good. And that means that this team will win this question, so we'll just reveal number four. The angel. Oh, of course you were going to say that. So good. Very good. All right. So now that's the first question goes to Team Green. So this is Team Green's cheering section. Woo! All right. Now we'll go to the next question. Next question. Round two. This one's fun for some, or awful for others. Name All something right. you might use to let's, wrap presents. Let's. Oh, come on up. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Three, two, one. Ooh. Ribbon. Ribbon? Yes, look at that. Nailed it. Very good. And remember, this is something you would use to wrap presents, not necessarily a different wording there. So, All right. Three. Two, one. Ooh. Tape. Tape. Very good. Two nothing over here already. So you know, this is the show, Mark. If you don't get this, you know you you guys lose this question too. <laughs> Three, two, one. Oh, we'll give it to her. <laughs> A wrapping paper. Wrapping paper. Look at that. There we go. This team, this team has won that. We will reveal the last two, which are scissors and bag or box. Very good. We have one more category. This one is where we kind of tie back into the message, and it's not just fun. So round three is name the characters present at the nativity. Three. And if you don't know, you can always look behind you. All right. So three, two, one. Maybe uh, Jesus. Yes, Jesus, very good. See, Sunday school lesson was taught here today. All right, the next one, three, two, one, go. Mary. Mary. Very good, in order, look at this. One, one. Three, 
two, one. Oh, see, I knew you were going to jump it. The angel. Angel. Oh, in order. Here we go. Two, one. Cat does. Perfect. Ready? If you don't get this, though, they win all three. <laughs> all right, here we go. In three, two, one. Oh. The wise men. Wise men. Ooh. Two, two. Here we go. One more question. <laughs> yeah. All right. Who's going to cheer for blue? Yeah? Yeah? yeah blue? Green? That was way louder. Way to go. All right. <laughs> Three, two, one. Oh. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like, there's a Bible verse. So <laughs> yes. Joseph. Oh, there they go. This team has won. Yes, and the Bible verse was quoted towards him. Yes, all right, so three wins over here, no wins over here. So the prize will be split here, and you guys get a Tootsie Roll Pop after the service. Yes, Oh, very good. You will share your gifts. Very good. All right, you'll give them one. Very good, very good. Thank you very much for participating in our game. And so if you didn't know, those five characters are typically represented in nativity scenes. So we want to thank all the contestants for playing our, our game today. And as we just saw with that final question of the game, those characters in the nativity, some were very popular answers. You may have seen the numbers beside the characters, and others were less popular. And so why is that the case? And thankfully, the top five didn't have Baby Yoda in it just quite yet. Hopefully, what the game revealed is that the people that were surveyed for the nativity characters had different perspectives on the key or at least the most memorable part of the nativity. Basically, this game revealed that the nativity has become more of a Christmas decoration set than a symbol of the Savior who would bring future salvation. But the truth is that it is more than a decoration, and it is a symbol of salvation. It is more than a decoration, it is a symbol of salvation. The brief history of the nativity scene is that in 1223 was the first time it pops onto the scene, and it was actually a living nativity, and it was a, there to express worship in the end. So this is not something that has sprung up, the nativity, in our popular culture in recent history, and it was formed for more than a decorative purpose. Yet in recent years, it seems to have assumed just the decoration status. It has become just a decoration jumped out of context. With the examples we have seen today and the answers that were revealed in our questions, there seems to be a lack of focus and a lot of pop culture creating confusion and even distraction. Think of it maybe in this way. It's similar to if you were to pick up the instructions for a piece of IKEA furniture. Oh, boys, right? This is not great. But you only actually have the second page to look at as well, which is a description or inventory of the pieces that are contained in that lovely IKEA hardware package, that big bag with everything all mixed together. No real indication of what they will be doing, what their specific use is, but at least you know there are five dowels, right? Two long screws, two sort of long screws, and two short screws. And there's often 
extra parts for some of those more breakable ones in there, so you may not even know if all those pieces are needed in the end. It is not clear at all from that page what the use of these things are, or even their purpose. So assuming that we can't arrive at a precise and clear understanding of the need or use for the IKEA furniture with an instruction page right in front of us, we can assume that Joe or Jane from down the block may not fully grasp what all the parts of the nativity or what the purpose of the nativity actually is. I think the fact that Joseph only got one more vote than the wise men did in that trivia question reveals some lack of understanding to who was present there that night. So if the nativity is more than a decoration and can point us to the heart of Christmas, how do we get there? What do we need to try and focus on? What are all the parts and what are their purposes? Is it possible that there's a main character? We talked about leading questions at one point. (laughs) That's a pretty leading one. Possibly the one that is at the top of the answer board. Is it possible he is the reason for the season? Let's look at a short video. Phil, thank you for answering those very leading questions. So let's look at a short video to further reveal and further unwrap the nativity right now with us here today. One December night, over 2,000 years ago, a shining star illuminated a gathering of kings, shepherds, angels, and animals round a baby in a stable. It was the nativity, and it marked the end of a journey that began on a donkey's back. Whoa, whoa, whoa. hold up there, Jeeves. Yeah, I beg your pardon? Your nativity, that's not exactly how it happened. Here, look, let's start with that donkey. Neither of the gospel stories mentions Mary traveling by donkey. And given the 60 miles of rough terrain they traveled, it's more likely they used a wagon. (laughs) Minor details. But then the innkeeper informs them there's no room Again, the Bible doesn't actually mention an innkeeper. And in the Greek, the word inn refers to an upper room in a house, not an actual motel. Oh, blast. Look, wherever it was, there was no room. So, Mary and Joseph were sent to the stable. Uh, No stable. (sighs) Not in the Bible either. Now you're catching on. And in those days, most animals were typically kept in a cave. A cave? Yuppers. So, it could have been that instead of a stable, the Bible doesn't really say. And the Star of Bethlehem? Duh, that's biblical. Well, we're actually right for once. It's a Christmas miracle. Okay, so now came the shepherds and the three kings. No kings. Three kings is from the song. The Bible says magi, which means wise men. Three wise men? That works. Well, not so fast. While the Bible does mention three gifts, it doesn't specify the number of wise men that brought them. You mean there could have been more? Oh, yeah. A whole posse, even. With a crowd like that, it's a miracle the baby Jesus never cried. What, no crying he makes? That's just a lyric from Away in a Manger, not actual scripture. (laughs) Well, of course he was crying. You just added a whole crowd of strange men. Eh, Yes and no. There may have been many wise men, but they weren't there that night. You see... Okay, that's enough. Except for the blooming star of Bethlehem, you've just dismantled the most inspiring image of Christian tradition. So what's your point? Point? 
Well, I guess it's this. Even when all of the man-made traditions are stripped away, the eternal truths still remain. Whether they traveled by donkey or wagon, God brought them safely to the birthplace that was prophesied. Whether born in a stable or a cave, God provided shelter in a strange new land. Whether there were three kings, three wise men, or many, God called the elect to bear witness and testimony to the birth of Emmanuel. So whether your manger looks like this, or like this, the one thing that remains unchanged is this. A baby boy, born of a virgin, this day in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. Bless you, sir. I'll never look at the miracle of December 25th the same way again. December 25th? Oh, I almost forgot. Stop that. Music. So, now that we've fully unwrapped the nativity, we have three questions that we get to look at. The first one is, what does this leave us with? Second one, what do we do now? Third one, what does this give us? Because we've now seen what the meaning of the nativity is, we now see that the heart of Christmas is Christ. We are able to see the difference between what it has come to be known and what the true meaning is all about. The unwrapped nativity is more than a decoration for the mantle or coffee table, but it should give us perspective, should give us excitement, and it should give us hope that points towards salvation. So what are the three answers to those questions? Well, I believe the unwrapped nativity gives those answers very clearly. First, the unwrapped nativity leaves us with a perspective that is focused. It leaves us with a perspective that is focused. The story of Jesus' birth is not one that is easy to accept. The fact was actually addressed in week two, how hard it was to accept the entirety of the birth narrative, if you want to look back in our series. But I want to read a passage of the birth narrative that will reveal an unfocused perspective, like the ones that can typically happen for us during the Christmas season. This unfocused perspective is Joseph's. It is one that starts focused on other aspects, but ends up becoming wholly focused on Jesus. One that is solely focused on Jesus because of the good news of who he is and the fact that he is coming from the Spirit. So I want to read from Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 through 23. They'll be on the screen behind you, but you're welcome to grab your Bible as well. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Joseph had a perspective that was broad, one that understandably was focused on Mary and himself 
and the honor, or even more so, the shame that marrying someone who was already pregnant would bring on his family. But the angel provided the true meaning of Mary's baby to Joseph and focused his perspective on that baby. Rather than everything else around him, the social constructs, whatever was there, he was focused on Jesus. Instead of being focused on how to handle this on his own, Joseph is given a perspective that is focused on Jesus. And he can lean into God in that understanding and the plan that has been there since the scripture in Isaiah 7. In the same way, we can be like Joseph in our perspective and have a broad one rather than focused on the true meaning of Christmas. With feelings of needing to fulfill all the social pressures that are around us in this season, but we can be reminded through the unwrapped nativity that Jesus is the heart of Christmas and we can focus our perspective wholly on him. So instead of being focused on the perfect presence or paying for those perfect presents, instead of looking in every different direction for meaning during this season, we now have the ability to focus on the true meaning of Christmas, that Jesus came in the form of a baby to bring great joy to all people. So first, the unwrapped nativity reveals a focused perspective for us during this season, but that focus also gives us something that truly concerns the entire world. Secondly, the unwrapped nativity also leaves us with an excitement that is broad, an excitement to share the good news of the nativity, the good news of a savior born, the good news of Jesus with all people. I want to read from Luke chapter 2 here as well, verses 6 through 18. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in a town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. During this time of the year, we can get focused on our own family and the excitement we feel, but the nativity proclaims a good news for all people. The focus the unwrapped nativity provides allows us to fully grasp what really happened that holy night. And just like when a dear friend comes for a surprise visit, it would cause us all to well up with excitement. And that excitement would grow when we found out that this person would change our lives forever. 
And that excitement would grow even greater if that change was something that everyone could experience and everyone could experience it. All that we had to do was share the news of your friend's arrival with them and share it broadly. So too should our excitement in this time of Jesus' birth bring us to a place where we are bursting to share this good news with everyone we encounter. We should allow the broad excitement to overflow out of us, especially during Advent season, which is all about that amazing arrival, the arrival of Emmanuel, God with us. May the unwrapped nativity be one of those places to look to and that serves as a reminder of the exciting arrival of a savior, the arrival that is so exciting that it causes us to share broadly with the world. So the unwrapped nativity is a place of excitement to share the good news broadly. And it's a place that provides a great focus for us. But the excitement and the focus are only possible because of the hope for eternity that the nativity also reveals. So the unwrapped nativity gives us the hope for eternity. A hope of eternity spent with a savior with Jesus with the baby whose birth Advent calls us yearly to remember and celebrate. Again, in Luke's gospel, I want to read the middle portion of what I already read again just to reinforce this hope that is provided. Verse 11, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. In 13, suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Today, a savior, the savior of the world was born. I know that when someone important to you is born, you want to tell the most important people in your life first. Have we ever thought about who was first told this amazing news of Jesus' birth? Shepherds. What was their social status and influence level at this time? Shepherds were social misfits of the cultural time. The first people ever told have no influence to proclaim this news. Yet God chooses the shepherds to be the ones to hear from the angel. They hear and feel the hope for eternity first, the hope of a savior first. Why choose those that are not the obvious choice if you want this news to be spread with excitement broadly? Unless, for God, they are the obvious choice. This is consistent with God using those that society would not expect to receive and proclaim the hope for eternity. The disciples were not your typical disciples to fall under a rabbi. But that's part of the beauty of the unwrapped nativity. It is a hope for eternity for all people. A hope that is paired with the excitement and focus the nativity provides. And that is why we can look back at this moment in history, look at the nativity, and feel a sense of connection to this 2,000-year-old story. That's why. Because it was the same focused perspective given in that time. It was the same excitement to share broadly. 
in the same hope for eternity that the shepherds felt that brought the good news to us here today. It started with them. What a beautiful thing that the same focus, the same excitement and hope that brought the good news to us is what will spur all of us on to do the same today. The nativity reveals a focused perspective on Jesus and an excitement to share broadly and to share this hope for eternity that is gained through Jesus' birth. This Advent, we tried to reveal promises of Christmas, clarify myths and mysteries, and today we tried to be super practical, and I hope we can walk away having been encouraged to a new focus, excitement, and hope for all that the Nativity is and all that the heart of Christmas is. So as we go throughout the rest of today, into the coming weekend of Christmas, and into the coming year, May we keep those three concepts that the unwrapped nativity revealed for us at our hearts. A focused perspective on Jesus. A broad excitement to share Jesus with the world. A hope for eternity in relationship with him. The baby that we celebrate and remember this coming Sunday. Advent this year and every year has been pointing us toward the nativity. And it really has been pointing us to the unwrapped nativity we presented today to provide an extremely focused perspective on the true meaning of Christmas, the heart of Christmas, Jesus, in a manger. That baby provided the world with great excitement and good news to share broadly with all, to share a love, a peace, a a joy, a hope for eternity, a hope of restored eternal relationship with God. And it is Jesus that ushers that eternal hope in. And it is Jesus that we remember in Jesus that we celebrate on Christmas. But hopefully we celebrate him each and every day and the gift of him coming and what that truly is for all of us. The gift of Emmanuel, which means God with us. That came on a holy night 2,000 years ago. Now I invite you to stand as we respond to this amazing gift through song and sing the carol that proclaims how holy that night truly was.